0: This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee, the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll here with you. This week's episode, Food and Mood. What you eat kind of dictates how you feel. Before we get rolling, I want to remind you, please follow the show on Twitter at PCRM. Like the Physicians Committee on Facebook and on the gram as well. And if you feel like giving another follow at Chuck Carroll WLC, good for both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Coming up a little bit later in this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Michelle O'Donoghue. This woman is just remarkable. She is a hero. Um, She's going to be talking with me about how a whole food plant-based diet literally changed her life. She suffers from multiple sclerosis um, and has gone on to become a cardiologist and an associate professor at Harvard, and now using what she's learned, that wisdom, paying it forward to her patients. Extraordinary conversation that I have with her at the recent uh, International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine, and you're just not going to believe how inspiring she is. But we start with food and mood And I will welcome registered dietitian from the Barnard Medical Center, Lee Crosby, back to the show. Hello, Lee. Hello, Chuck. Uh, Real quick, before we get rolling, your social media at veggie underscore Underscore quest. quest. Yeah, there you go. Somebody veggie quest was already taken. You had to throw the underscore? Yeah, pretty much. Lame.
1: (laughs) Do what you got to do, man.
0: So – we're kind of, as we tape this, just about ready to change seasons head into fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, that brings up, uh, you know, depression, seasonal affective disorder like that. That hits a lot of people. And I, I, I pulled some numbers before we did the show. And did you know, like depression, like, it's so prevalent. It is literally the leading cause of disability worldwide. Huh. Globally, 121 million people suffer from it. In the United States, 14.8 million, uh, roughly about 7 percent of every adult uh, has depression, you know, and, and you want to break that down to productivity. If you're a financial kind of person, it uh, costs the country 36.6 billion dollars. And uh, how's this for sick days? 225 million of them wow. lost each year due That's to That's expensive
1: depression. in addition to being really rough for the employees. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah.
0: You know, you, you only get, what, five, six days? Five, six days? Five sick days. <laughs> Easy for you to the, say, Chuck. Yeah, clearly not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I've, yeah. I've had depression my entire life. It stinks, you know. Yeah. A- and I literally dread this time of year. But. There's hope, you know, now being on this plant-based diet, there there are some things that uh, hopefully, you know, uh, can eat and not eat more specifically. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Make me feel a little bit better, help a lot of people feel a little bit better. So, you know a ton more about this than I do. So... I want to pick your brain in a little bit. All right, let's do it. Uh, what What is the link? Let's start with, with meat. Obviously, you know, plant-based diet, meat is excluded. Right. There's a tie, though, as I understand it, between meat and bad moods. Talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so it's something most people don't think about, that, like, something I eat can make me be in a worse mood. But there really is a connection between eating meat and not being in such a great mood. So. There was a study done at Arizona State University. They took 39 people and they divided them into three groups. So they had some people keep eating meat, basically their normal control diet. They had one group eat fish three or four times a week and no other meat. And then they had one group that was vegetarian. So no meat and no eggs um, in addition to no fish. And the vegetarian group actually experienced mood improvements Whereas the other two groups didn't have any significant change to their mood. So that's pretty great that you can just change what you're eating and what you're leaving off your plate and what you're including on your plate, of course, and then feel better. I think we could all be in a better mood. Do you know what I mean? That's
0: crazy yeah. time.
1: Yeah. Just, just from the food they had yep
0: that's fantastic and and it kind of reminds me a little bit thinking back to, to the link uh, with meat there and, and bad moods the very first episode we did of the exam room was right around Thanksgiving last year hmm. and uh, come to find out that there was a study done that showed that vegetarians and vegans um, have less squabbles isn't that, isn't that bizarre? I also
1: love that someone decided to do that study but yeah
0: isn't that fantastic <laughs> like I love it um meat heavy diets though let's let's talk specifically about depression because i know when i was eating a whole lot of meat i wasn't feeling very good inward or outward what's the link uh, there between meat-heavy diets and depression?
1: Yeah. So it turns out that vegetarians also have fewer depressive symptoms, generally speaking. So this was a study published in Nutrition Journal. They looked at about 120 vegetarian, maybe more, 60 vegetarians. Here we go, 78 meat eaters. And what they found was that the vegetarians scored higher on these standardized mood tests. And what these looked at were depression, anxiety, and stress. So again, they controlled for some things, now maybe you know, maybe vegetarians are happier people, and that's why they're vegetarian, we don't know for sure. But it's a pretty good indicator that, you know, hey, this is a way to eat that can actually has the potential to make you a happier person. And, and in terms of depression, there was actually a 2017. So pretty recent meta analysis. So that's a study that looks at multiple studies. And they found that those who had who were eating the most meat, relative to those who were eating the least meat those who were eating the most meat were more likely to develop depression so again is they certainly did some controlling for other factors but it's pretty striking that that could be the case. Now, okay, well, well, how would that work, right? Well, we know that meat tends to be high in something called arachidonic acid. Um, that's actually kind of fat. It's pro-inflammatory. Hmm. Um, a lot of plant foods are higher in some of these polyunsaturated fatty acids that are less inflammatory. Um, so it's there is the balance of the kinds of fats that are being consumed in the diet. Um, and interestingly, they have found that depression is linked to higher levels of some of these pro-inflammatory substances in the body, and eating meat tends to increase inflammation in the body. So there's a potential inflammatory link between eating meat and then developing depression. Wow. So, And that's particularly true for people with severe depression was the study I looked at. Yep.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. It, Interesting, it, huh?
0: Very. And, and, you know, you talk about there are some controls in there, and I would love to see further research done on this because I'm yeah, wondering, like, if... if You know, maybe somebody's personality like naturally kind of causes them to gravitate toward, you know, going for that burger, that big steak. And then maybe you have the more zen, hippie-ish, quote unquote, person (laughs) uh, who gravitates more toward a vegetarian or vegan diet.
1: Right. And that's why it's interesting to have data from these clinical trials, too, where they take people and they put them on either, you know, an omnivore, you know, sort of more meat-centered diet than, you know, a fish diet and a vegetarian diet because that way you can get around the whole, well, maybe it's just a personality issue. If you're just randomly assigning people to a group and their mood improves, those randomly assigned people, that's a, much, that's a really good sign that the diet is doing something itself.
0: I would love to meet with uh, roughly six dozen or so participants uh in that study i would love to meet them and just see you know what kind of a, a group this was was it a wide swath of personalities or was it you know... oh
1: yeah it's a good question although that was the one with, i think they only had th- only had 39 participants so for that study okay were three they... does
0: <laughs> whichever <laughs> i'm a stickler come on right. you'd you, you be a numbers person whatever i just want to meet the jam. people i just i, I did just you, actually meet.
1: yeah i'd be curious to see who what are they were these like...
0: people you Who knows? knows? Yeah.
1: Well, we could look it up.
0: Uh, OK, so <laughs> we could move on too. <laughs> we, we could. Let's let's move on. We only have a certain about a type here. Um, we joked <laughs> about hippies being Zen and all of that. But, you know, <laughs> healthy diets. I mean, they actually do, according to the, the research here, make you calmer. It can help you. Yeah,
1: yeah. stress, man. Indeed. So some of it, again, we just talked about some of the things to leave off your plate to maybe feel better. Again, science suggests. But what you put on your plate, it does. It can make you a little more, yeah, just chilled. So this study found that a diet high in fruits and vegetables can actually help improve mood. Now, here's the thing. They looked at data from 281 folks living in New Zealand, and they found that the more fruits and vegetables people ate – the calmer, happier, and more energetic they felt. Well, so you're like, well, maybe just calm, energetic people, eat more fruits and vegetables, mm-hmm. duh. But, but, the authors noted that the mood improvements, I guess they followed people over time, the mood improvements followed the increase in consumption of fruits and vegetables. So they started increasing eating more fruits and vegetables first, and then their moods improved. So that pretty much, that sort of, undermines the whole, maybe that's just that happy people eat fruits and vegetables. Happy people might eat fruits and vegetables, but the fruits and vegetables here, it seems to be indicating that they can help make you happy, Ooh. right? And there are some reasons for that that we're going to talk about.
0: Yeah. It's, well, now I'm wondering, can you turn a total curmudgeon into, you know, the happiest person in the world just by taking meat off their plate?
1: And adding in lots of fruits and veggies. I would love to try that. If we could find anyone want to sign up for that, you just get in touch with the podcast. Yes.
0: If you know a curmudgeon, that's (laughs) That's at Chuck Carroll, WLC, with two (laughs) R's and two L's. Um, That actually would be fascinating. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. I'd love to do that. Yep.
1: Hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Hmm. Future episodes. You got the wheels turning here, Crosby. (laughs) Anxiety, though, anxiety leads to stress, leads to bad moods. but you know, there just seems to me to be an abundance of research also that says, eliminating meat, more fruits, more vegetables just easy going. Don't rock the boat. Calm seas, Lee. Calm seas. Well,
1: it's one of those things where this is what our bodies are really adapted to handle. So it's not a surprise that when we start putting in the right fuel, our bodies and minds respond to that. Um, There was a study, this was in 2015, that a vegan diet can actually or potentially help lower stress and anxiety levels. And they looked at, again, 620 different folks, vegans, vegetarians, and omnivores, and they looked at their mood, and what they found is that people eating the, um, particularly men, vegan men who are eating the most fruits and vegetables, had lower anxiety scores compared to non-vegans. And the female vegan participants had lower stress levels, and they think that was due... Um, to the animal free diet, and they also tended to eat fewer sweets. So that could be is that because they're healthier generally? I know the sweets thing, right wow,
0: let's let's touch on that because sweets <laughs> uh, you I know, know sweets kind of- are comfort food.
1: They are, but it's within reason and picking those healthier f- forms of sweets, which would be like fruit. That's not what they're talking about.
0: We all know about chocolate <laughs> on that bad day.
1: That's right. I would say Oreos. Yeah, they're not. They're not health
0: food, as it turns out. That, no, you don't say
1: <laughs> what?
0: Uh, but there's is, chocolate. It's got to have fiber in it. <laughs> you know, like that, that, again. So that, that's another study, right? So yeah. why then do we reach for? that kind of food when we're in a bad mood if it's only going to dig a deeper hole for us
1: well it doesn't necessarily dig a deeper hole it's and this is where you come into carbohydrates people think oh carbohydrates are bad for you but no the healthy ones are incredibly good for you they should be the foundation of your diet and we actually have some really interesting data on carbohydrates that eating carbohydrate can increase your body's um secretion of this feel good neurotransmitter called serotonin have you heard of serotonin Oh, i'm
0: I'm a fan of the serotonin okay
1: yeah i know me too right there in fact the prescription drugs that we use for depression actually help increase the available serotonin in the body so Mm -hmm. you know eating healthy carbohydrates can also increase serotonin in the body all right so
0: if you're having a rough day what do you reach for
1: me personally yeah oh sweet potatoes are right up there i've had a thing lately for (laughs) it's gonna sound weird frozen cherries Really They're super now? sweet. You just thaw them a tiniest little bit, and I mean, just dig in. They're so good. Yeah? Yeah, the texture, they still need to be a little frozen. So it's like sorbet, but with texture and more to it. So good.
0: Yum, yum in your tongue turns the frown upside down? It
1: does turn the frown right upside down. Hmm. Or chocolate. But I do the sort of healthier almond milk hot chocolate, so That's it's right. all good.
0: That's right. I have
1: a thing. It's my thing. It's my jam.
0: Yeah, let, let, me, let me plug this right <laughs> now, because uh, when you first met my wife, you, you just like blew her away and she she's a chocoholic i mean you know I, as I love am her to i death. yeah but you gave her the recipe for that hot chocolate which yeah. is on your your website yeah it's only post. got
1: 42 calories in it so you know go for it man
0: is the bomb.com
1: yeah it really it is and actually it's got some good stuff in it too because cocoa powder the actual just cocoa powder itself not added into a bar of fat and sugar but just on its own it's actually a pretty good source It's got some iron it's got some fiber a little bit of protein like great it's it's healthy for you so yeah. the answer is you get your chocolate fix in a healthier way mm-hmm. yep because i'm not about to give up my chocolate
0: fix keep that in mind when the weather turns, <laughs> put that in your back pocket yeah. that's right that's right you can
1: stir some pumpkin in there for you pumpkin spice people i'm just Ooh, saying why mm-hmm. wait till
0: christmas no that's no right. yep. i'm gonna bust that out in october that's right yeah. love it pumpkin season
1: that would be the optimal season for pumpkins yes
0: <laughs> hey, look, I can do pumpkin year round. There, I'm a pumpkin. Oh, I can too. I I'm a pumpkin oh, guy. guy. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the tonin, the old serotonin. <laughs> Uh, What what is the link between folate and serotonin? Because I know that there is a connection there.
1: There is. And this is one of the things I talk about with people in the clinic. I would say every time I'm seeing patients, it comes up at least once a day. That is that folate is a building block for serotonin. So your body uses it to make serotonin. So if you're not getting these good food sources of folate, particularly dark leafy greens, those are an excellent source of folate. Beans, actually, are a great source of folate. So it doesn't just have to be green vegetables and dark leafy greens, although plug, plug for dark leafy greens and green vegetables. <laughs> yeah. um, but they're high in folate. And you're if you're not giving your body that folate, you're not giving it the raw materials it needs to make the stuff that makes you feel good. So just think about that next time you're like, oh, should I have a salad or something else? You just go on and have that salad. You can have your something else, too. Just get that salad in there.
0: So, uh, so you said uh, beans and greens uh, is it found in anything else
1: fruits too tend to have it yeah. and i mean all the beans peas you know lentils all that stuff
0: yeah yeah all right and green veggies Folate. It's
1: folate it actually the green tie in from foliage that's where it got the name it's found predominantly in green stuff
0: uh huh yep folate for the win
1: that's right yeah yep
0: um you mentioned carbs earlier also good for the old tone yep yep, yep. Big fan? Yeah. Sweet potatoes? Yeah. yeah, if
1: it's a bad day. i tell you, a sweet potato fixes a bad day every time. Really? Yes. Yeah. I'm not yeah. encouraging people to eat their feelings, but if you're going to... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have a sweet potato. I mean, look, you gotta eat anyway at some point that exactly. day. Just put the sweet potato the plate. You may as well eat plate. the
1: thing that makes you feel good.
0: You know what I like to do? And this is so simple. So many people do it. You just break out the old uh, mandolin, you do thin slices of the potato the, the sweet potato. Yeah. Sprinkle a little cinnamon on top, pop that right in the oven. Oh, bake I bet it at four twenty five. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Heaven in your mouth.
1: Yeah, that sounds great actually. Yeah. I'm gonna be trying that one. Oh.
0: I hope you do. Perfect. For Paul. I owe you a recipe because uh, of the hot chocolate there. There so you we're, go. We're now we're even. We're even, we're even Crosby. <laughs>
1: now I can't cash in anything else. All right. Uh,
0: mm. Let me channel my inner Seinfeld. Let me. Uh, let me see how well I can do this. Um, what's the deal with aspartame? Oh my gosh.
1: So again, having healthy carbs can help your body, but the sweets that are, this is one of those, you know, artificial sweeteners where you really would do best to steer clear. So there's some link between irritability and depression and mm. aspartame, and I don't think that's what most people are going for when they reach for a diet soda. Like, I would like to be more irritable, please. So, <laughs> you know, just th- there are lots of reasons that diet soda is not, you know, a great choice, but that's one of them. Um, and it's also, it was a small study, but it suggested that aspartame is particularly problematic for people who already have depression Hmm. so just one of those things that you know if you're really sort of fine-tuning your diet you might just want to push that to the side really yeah interesting yep and again this study they were doing it at a dose that was about half of what the you know the fda says is the safe upper level so it's not that it's you know unsafe but it also may not be in your best
0: interest do you know which of the packets uh, of sweetener on the uh, oh. restaurant table? Is it the pink packet? Is it the blue packet? I can't
1: remember if it's pink or blue. It's definitely not yellow. It's not yellow. It's pink or blue. Ooh, I didn't know there was going to be a pop
0: I, quiz. I, I don't know either. Uh, I'm, I, I,
1: think, I think it's pink, but don't quote me on that. Yeah.
0: I think you might be right. Yeah. If, I, if I were going to put a wager down, I, I would say pink.
1: I would too, but I wouldn't really want to bet yeah, too much yeah. on
0: it. Either way. You know,
1: you know. I would just say this: pink and blue. You probably just put that aside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Safe bet. Yeah.
0: Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, so here's one. Yeah. It seems you know, vitamin D, sunshine, right? Happy time. Yeah. Let's, let's dive in a little bit deeper with the vitamin D. How specifically does it affect the mood?
1: Well. In terms of the actual mechanisms, I'm not sure anyone exactly understands. I looked at some of these papers and it gets really complicated really quickly. So I hate to say I that can't I kinda, handle it. I kinda glazed over, but maybe I did. Um, that could be for another episode. If anyone wants to have like a separate nerd out episode, we can do that about this. Um, but in the meantime, it's I think it suffices to say that insufficient or you know, low vitamin D levels have been linked to depression. Um, So potentially just getting people back up into the sort of, you know, healthy range in terms of vitamin D is a pretty, you know, it's a low risk, potentially high reward thing to do Mm -hmm. in terms of making sure that someone who has depression, that that's not an underlying cause of it. Right. So, again, the science isn't 100 percent clear that I saw, but it's it can't hurt might help kind of phenomenon. And it makes sense that, again, most of us were in an office. We're not getting that sort of. You know daily sensible sun exposure sure. that we you know might otherwise in a more natural environment be getting so it makes sense to bring in a little more vitamin and, d
0: and one of the things that uh, dr barnard and i have talked about on the show also is how there's a lack of vitamin d in the diet of many people who live in places where there isn't a lot of sunlight correct you yeah we are talking like alaska even further north oh yeah than that. oh no um and i would assume and this is just my th- hypothesis that there are increased rates of depression there as well so you know i don't know but there, there
1: are some correlations between other kinds of chronic diseases and latitude now the question is is that because and with the higher rates in the more northern latitudes at some level it's like well is that vitamin d or is it something else but there's some pretty interesting maps you can look up that that touch on that
0: yeah fascinating yeah, stuff it is it per- really is personally i don't think i could live all the way up there like i i love I, some warm yeah. weather
1: I do too. I love the warm weather and I've, I've been to Alaska once and it was in the middle of the summer and it was the best thing ever because it was always daylight when you wanted it to be daylight. Right. But I can't imagine in the winter what that would be like to just sort of straight darkness twilight all the time.
0: What was the temperature like there? Mid 60s. Yeah. Over was, 60s. That was summertime?
1: Yeah. I needed a jacket in July. It was a little weird. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was up But in, beautiful. I was up in Rhode Island not too long ago. And uh, once the sunset, this was in June. Once the sunset, yeah. like, it got downright Dude, frosty. In June? Like, it, was, it was like, we're, we're talking like mid 50s or something like that. I don't know if that was unseasonably cold, but.
1: I'm more of a summer person myself. You know, you talk about the fall, and I'm like, I've tried really hard my whole life to like fall, and I just mm. can't bring myself to do it. No. Um, maybe this year, maybe this year will be the turnaround year for fall.
0: No, I would love to lobby to take the studio. Matter of fact, the whole physicians committee office down south, Florida. Yeah, that could Georgian, be pretty cool. Somewhere in the Florida I know, I Georgia could you could
1: Garden practically year round. Yeah. <gasps> now we're talking, Chuck.
0: I like where your head's at. That's why you're always Precious back of
1: the fruits
2: and veggies on
0: this show. Um, so we, we we talked about this again. Uh, we, we talked a little bit at the top about the seasonal defective uh, disorder and and the vitamin D levels depression there correlation there also with with SAD and vitamin D. Right, and the
1: science does seem to, there appears to be a link between that sort of rapid drop in vitamin D levels and seasonal affective disorder. So, is that the only reason? Probably not, but again, it's a fairly simple thing to take a, you know, low-dose vitamin D supplement, or in the summer, again, you do want to watch out for skin cancer, so I don't want people going outside and sunbathing, but getting, you know, 10 minutes a day of a real sensible sun exposure on, you know, arms and legs. Just a few times a week even is all you need to really get your levels up and that can help you stay a little bit higher through the fall and winter and early
0: spring as a dietitian, would you recommend supplementing with vitamin D or going for fortified foods with vitamin I, you know
1: D? i typically i I do for people who aren't getting outside a lot or for people who are you know if they if you have darker skin because that extra pigment the extra melanin helps protect you from the sun but it also protects you from like getting it making enough vitamin d because you make it in your skin wow so i do recommend it for and for people like people like me who work in an office most of the time um even though you know i'm pretty pale skinned so, like yeah. I, I would i still do an occasional vitamin d supplement know, just to keep just myself me. in the Exactly, yeah. So, so, so hold on, like, all right, okay, so, here wow, we are, may like, even super be pasty. More, I was like, going to say more fair than I am, but okay.
0: We, we, we have something <laughs> finally going for us as far as the sun and the skin.
1: But you burn so quickly, you can't stay in the sun very long. Whatever.
0: <laughs> this is a small victory. <laughs>
1: okay. And I'm going to take that. it. Take your victory.
0: I, I, I got a trophy right there in the drawer, and I'm going to parade around the office.
1: Well, good. That said, I still do take a low dose of vitamin D myself or I make sure I'm getting plant-based milks that have some vitamin D in right. them, just to just to kind of, you know, well, cover my bases.
0: Let's jump back a couple of letters, talk about the, the B vitamins.
1: Oh, the B vitamins. Let's do.
0: Uh, how does that affect the mood?
1: So you need B vitamins for nerve health, for blood health. So to make sure you have, you know, good red blood cells and all that sort of thing. Um, And also to produce energy in the body, you need your B vitamins. So definitely want to make sure that you're getting some of these B vitamin rich foods. And if you're on a plant based diet, to be sure you're eating foods that are fortified with vitamin B12 or that you're taking a vitamin B12 supplement.
0: Uh, What about the other forms of the Bs, the niacin, the B3, the thymine? Okay.
1: B1. Now, those you can get lots of in plant foods. So, if you want to, do we want to talk about some of the food sources
0: of these? Oh, please.
1: I love talking about foods, all these cool things that they do for you. All right. So, thiamine, that's just B1, right? Black beans, brown rice. So, beans and rice, so simple, right? Uh, winter squash, so your butternut, your acorn, that sort of thing. Whole wheat breads and pasta, even oats and oranges are pretty good sources. So, you get thiamine in a lot of these plant foods that are also delicious. Right on Beans, rice, butternut squash
0: So simple Yeah,
1: hook me up Um, Niacin, that is in beans, peas, and lentils Again, we saw the thiamin is in beans You're going to notice sort of a pattern here with the beans Um, Beans, peas, lentils, peanuts Those are awesome sources, your legumes for thiamin I'm sorry, for niacin Nice Probably also for thiamin So that's vitamin B3 Mm -hmm. is niacin Uh, Vitamin B6, hands down winner here, chickpeas I didn't even know this I actually looked this one up One cup of chickpeas has more than half your daily value of vitamin B6.
0: Boom. Love me some chickpeas.
1: Well, you are in the right place. Also, bananas. Also, plain potatoes, which, oh, they're just empty calories. They are not empty calories. 20% of your daily value of... Let's see. Vitamin B6 in a cup of plain potato.
0: We're talking like plain white potato White potato. I'll be there going.
1: Yeah. They also have magnesium and potassium. I mean, protein even. They've got Hmm. a large, I think a large white potato has about seven grams of protein. That's more than is in an egg. So, you know, potatoes, maybe it's not quite as good as a sweet potato, white potato, but it's still got some really good stuff in it. The problem is when we boil them in oil to make French fries. That's where you start to get in trouble. Yeah. The actual potato
0: itself is pretty darn healthy. So go with the, go with the baked and you're good to go, huh? Pretty much, yeah. How about that? Who knew? Learn something new every day, boys and girls.
1: That's right. Um, oh, also wait for B6. I want to make another plug for dark leafy greens. And in this yeah. particular case, spinach is a great source. And back to the winter squash again. So you got your beans and your squash and you're in a good place.
0: Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I love some butternut squash. Oh,
1: roasted butternut squash. You do it with a little bit of um, cumin. Oh, man. And just a little sprinkle of salt. Holy moly, so good!
0: All right, so here's here's what you need to do. Right, you get your roasted butternut <laughs> squash. <laughs> All right, you yes. Roast you some Brussels sprouts.
1: Oh, you put
0: that in a salad yeah. together. Let oh. me tell you something. That's a one seed right there.
1: The technical term, I believe, is num nums.
0: Num nums. That's right. <laughs> Look that <laughs> yes. up. Yes. Not not in the dictionary, but the Wiktionary. Yes. Num nums. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> it was...
1: it's so true. Though I didn't like Brussels sprouts until I roasted them, yeah. and then I was a convert. Yeah, still to this M- day, I don't love them blood. a lot of other ways, but no, I like them raw shredded and I like them roasted. Yeah, yep, yep, and they're delightful.
0: Amen. You're welcome, listener.
1: That's right. Um,
0: other sources, uh, real quick, I know that we published a, uh, a list on our website, pcrm.org. I'll just run through this real quick. Interestingly, uh, Kellogg's Special Case Cereal. General now this is for
1: B12, right? B12, okay. right. B12, uh,
0: if you're not into uh, popping a pill for a supplement. These are fortified foods. General Mills, Fiber One, Post Brand Flakes, Silk Soy Milk, all varieties. So delicious almond milk, plus... Almond milk. Interesting. Uh, Nasoya brand firm tofu. So tofu, I guess, can be fortified with it? If
1: they fortify it. Yep. So not all tofu will have it, but some will.
0: Okay. And then uh, nutritional yeast. Yep. Who knew?
1: But also fortified.
0: Also fortified. Yeah. Uh, I, I... you know, I'm a supplement guy. I just yeah, pop a pill. It's
1: so easy to just take a yeah. supplement not think about it. Also, again, B12 is important on a plant-based diet, but also people who use antacids, people who take metformin. Everyone over the age of 50 is supposed to be supplementing, too. So it's not just people on a plant-based diet.
0: You know, when I first switched to the diet, I had no idea that I was only supposed to be taking the B12 supplement like once a week. Oh, I was no. popping that daily. So when they when they ran my numbers, like, <laughs> like Dr. Newport upstairs was like, oh, my <laughs> stars. It's like – I don't think it can be too high. I don't think there's any. <laughs> but efforts, you're our but test case, holy moly! Uh, yeah,
1: just a dabble, do you Really?
0: Man, look at you mm-hmm. with the FOP reference. Huh? Is uh-huh. that a FOP reference? Oh, it was a little dabble. Do you? Yeah. Oh, go look I'm up your nineteen fifties uh, hair hair product commercials.
1: Fifties <laughs> hip. Yes. Yeah,
0: 50 sip. Hi, mom. Uh, anyway, uh, iron. <laughs> Let's talk about that. That's another one. Let's talk about it. Uh, I, I'm a fan of the iron.
1: Yeah, so yeah. me too. Uh, the right form, so the kind you find in plant foods, is the safest form. Um, the kind you find in animal foods, your body will absorb whether you need it or not. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the kind in plant foods, your body will absorb when you need it and mm-hmm. will let it go on by when you don't, which is great. Um, so you need it for healthy blood cells, again, right. to have enough energy, to be nice and athletic. Most important, though, for premenopausal women or women who are pregnant. So healthy men generally and healthy postmenopausal women tend to actually not need extra iron. Um, So and again, for premenopausal women, they lose blood every month. And Mm. so they're losing iron through that route. So they need they need a little more, which you can get completely through your through your diet, through healthy plant foods. If for any reason you come back or your numbers are a little low and you want to bump that up again, I'm going to make another plug for beans here. But to also go ahead and eat those sort of high iron-rich foods with foods that are high in vitamin C. You
0: know, uh, we'll we'll talk about those specific foods here for a second. But I will tell you that, you know, having gastric bypass surgery, iron is one of the things that, you know, the the surgeon, the doctors, the bariatric folk, they will tell you. is like, look, you're going to struggle to get enough after right. you've had this procedure. Yep. Um, and if you don't have enough, obviously, that leads to anemia. It you, sure you're does. You're tired. You're You feel fatigued. lousy. Yeah. Yep. You're just weak. Um. And that... By by and large, by itself, can make you a little bit cranky pants.:
1: Oh, yeah, if you feel lousy all the time, you bet. yeah, yeah so, <laughs> so that's why I said only if for healthy if you have kind of health some health issue that could deplete iron, then that's something where you really need to make sure you're getting enough. Can you get it on a plant-based diet unless you have a specific health need where you'd have to take a separate supplement? I can't imagine there'd be a diet that would cover your bases on that one. right. But for yeah, it's I've actually had better iron levels eating a plant-based diet than I had before. So, I, I have no doubt. Yeah,
0: I have no doubt. Yeah. Uh, what uh, what kind of foods? You, you mentioned a couple here, but uh, let, let's throw a few more out there. All
1: right. So again, I again again beans and dark leafy greens. These are all great sources. Um, dark green vegetables generally, dried fruit. Now part of that's because they're more concentrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, blackstrap molasses also a decent source of calcium if you're into that. It's a it's a sweetener, but it's, I actually like the flavor. I feel like Little House on the Prairie when I eat I feel like they must have mentioned it one book because I'm always like, Little House on the Prairie. But it's a, it's a nice little sweetener. It's kind of an earthy flavor. So just know that going in. It's nice in it's, it's nice oatmeal, that kind of thing. But I wouldn't use it in like a strawberry smoothie or something mm. like that. It's a little, it's a little potent. Uh, let's Extra. see. You got your nuts and seeds and then your whole grain or fortified breads and cereals. All those have lots of iron.
0: All right. Uh, so we just mentioned about bariatric patients having a difficult time absorbing iron. Correct. What's something that either, you know, myself, any other bariatric, matter of fact, anybody, what's right. something that we could eat then to increase our absorption?
1: And that's where the vitamin C comes in. So if you're going to have those black beans, have some like red, orange, yellow, bell peppers. Those are all really high in vitamin C. You have it with your black beans. You enhance the absorption of iron for people who need more. So, And, of course, we know things like oranges have lots of vitamin C, strawberries, kiwis are super high in vitamin C, as I recall. Um, So any of these fruits and vegetables that are a good source of vitamin C, just have that for dessert when you have your, you know, if you're having, like, black bean tacos or something, have some nice... You know sliced up strawberries or oranges for dessert
0: yeah, yeah. it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the bell peppers because I think so many they are people are crazy high in vitamin they, C they think you know automatically vitamin C they gravitate toward fruit but right. here, we, here we go man yeah. it's, it's, it's in, in oh veggies. it's in veggies
1: too yeah and the nice thing is having it lightly cooked or more raw is going to be better in terms of preserving vitamin C hmm. so you know don't don't just completely destroy it when you're cooking it G- give leave a little bit of crunch in that veggie yeah
0: yeah a little, little, little lightly
1: little lightly cooked
0: yeah just like crunch, lightly yeah. cooked. Yep. Um, let's uh, let's wrap up. Uh, fun word here. Selenium. Selenium. Selenium.
1: Yeah. So selenium is one of those things that you can have an increase in. I think science, studies have have suggested that there can be an increase in the incidence of depression if mm-hmm. you're not getting enough. So mm-hmm. most people are for the they're for the most part getting enough. But if you want to have a little bit of extra, as you know, a single Brazil nut because they are very high in selenium. But other sources of selenium are things like cereals and grains. Most veggies and fruits have some. So if you're eating a varied plant-based diet, you're probably fine. But if you like Brazil nuts, just... Have fun. Yeah, <laughs> they're really Brazil, high in selenium. They're,
0: yeah, they're, they're, they're in the mixed nuts. Uh, I think they're like crazy expensive if you try to buy them on their own.
1: They are. They're pretty pricey. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they're the fancy ones.
0: <laughs> That's why they're in the deluxe fancy <laughs> That's mix
1: right. Nuts. They're in the deluxe mix uh,
0: nuts. Just some quick numbers. I know that uh, we, we pulled this here. The uh, the RDA, your recommended daily allowance here for selenium, 55 micrograms. You mentioned the the Brazil nut. Uh, that alone has 120 Micrograms. yeah I mean
1: it varies by Brazil nut, but again, that's why we will just have one mm-hmm.
0: yep uh tofu forty forty micrograms um and uh Here's something really cool. Also, selenium has been linked to uh, lower risks of cancer. Uh And so I found something on our website, pcrm.org, that said uh, consumption of 100 to 300 micrograms of it per day helps to reduce your risk of cancer.
2: Yeah, it looks
1: like those were the levels that that had been used in some studies that were looking at this. Mm -hmm. So I actually went and checked up on that. So, yeah, again, luckily if you're eating a nice varied diet, you're probably going to get in a decently close place to that. So. Mm
0: yeah very cool yep food and mood love it i mean i feel like we've just scratched the surface i feel like that with every topic but i feel like there's so much more we could do here so many more studies i want to do
1: or going in depth on some of these so again if you ever if you ever need a nerdy episode you know who to call let's Mm -hmm. nerd out yep Mm
0: -hmm. love that we'll just call it the geek hour (laughs) it'll be great Be so great yeah bonus episode yeah you're so great you're so great super you too thank you for being here um plug plug time um you can book an appointment to see, register registered dietitian extraordinarily Crosby. You
1: absolutely can. I'd love to help you out.
0: She's uh, if you're in the D.C. area, Washington D.C. That is Barnard Medical Center, barnardmedical.org. dot That's right. Hop on there, make an appointment. I will personally vouch she is fantastic.
1: As are all the dietitians and the other health care providers on staff. So we do primary care. We do lifestyle you know, interventions and nutrition counseling. It's basically one-stop shopping.
0: Yeah. Yep. It's pretty cool. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I love that you guys are only two floors up from, from the studio. <laughs> and,
1: and it's really convenient for the folks here. Yes, it is. It's actually convenient for most of the D.C. area, to be fair.
0: It really is. And, and we're really close to stuff. Metro. Yeah.
1: yeah. Friendship Heights, so it's not, it's not a long trek from anywhere.
0: No, it's cool. Yep. You know, but, come on. Go to the doctor's office. We've got a movie theater literally a block away. We do. Yeah. Surround by Whole Foods. (laughs) I know. Good stuff, right? It is. It's not a bad place to work. Nope. It's pretty great. Uh, All right. Uh, Lee Crosby, thank you so very much. Delighted to be here. All right. Uh, Turning our attention now to my interview with Dr. Michelle O'Donohue, just an amazing, amazing, extraordinary woman, now a cardiologist and associate professor at uh, Harvard. She can punch her ticket pretty much to anywhere in the world with those credentials. Um, Had MS, switched to a plant-based diet, and has really, I mean, dramatically, and that's an understatement, improved her quality of life, and now using her story and her wisdom to benefit her patients moving forward. Here now, my interview with Dr. O'Donoghue. This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee on location at ICNM 2018, the Physicians Committee putting on a huge event right here in beautiful washington dc getting an opportunity to interview so many fascinating people and my next guest is a cardiologist at brigham women's hospital in boston and i want to make sure i get this right also, super smart and associate professor at Harvard Medical School. With that, we welcome Dr. Michelle O'Donoghue to the show. Hello.
2: Hi, and thank you for having me. Uh, it is my pleasure.
0: Anybody who's from Harvard gets an automatic invitation to the podcast. <laughs> is that how it works? Good to know. It's, it's, like, the credential speaks for itself. matter of fact, it should just be an all-access pass for life in general. <laughs> So, congratulations.
2: That's why I signed up for the
0: title. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're talking to a lot of people about a lot of different things here, but I want to start by asking you about your story, your personal story, because from what I understand, it's really incredible. So, how did you come to discover the, the plant based diet?
2: Yeah, no, well, thanks for asking. I have to say that, like most cardiologists, I really hadn't given much of a a second thought to to the role of diet and disease. I mean, it sounds shocking now looking back because as a cardiologist, it seems so obvious that what we take in is going to influence our our course with heart disease. But to be honest, we didn't learn about it in medical school um, and a lot of cardiologists remain dismissive of that link to this day. So for me, my own personal journey was that about eight years ago, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and there it seemed more evident to me that there might be a link between diet um, and autoimmune diseases, and I ended up asking my neurologist about it, um, and he was fortunately open-minded enough that he did indicate that there was some evidence to suggest a a link between the foods we take in um, and the course of of multiple sclerosis. So it took me a little time. I I won't say that I immediately switched to a plant-based diet at that point. I think I needed to go through my stages of of grief and (laughs) some denial. But um, the more and more that I looked into the evidence that was available, the more I realized that this was really the the right decision to make.
0: So how long did it take you, do you think, when you said, okay, well, diet plays a role to when you discovered the whole food, the plant-based diet?
2: Well, I think for me, it, um, I took more of the traditional course at first. So I was diagnosed with MS, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to take the medications. Even though there's some evidence to suggest that cutting down on meat and dairy might help me, I just wasn't ready for it. Right. So I, I started medication, and then um, probably about six months later, I had a second MRI, and it showed that during that time that I'd been on the medication, I continued to develop more lesions on my brain. Hmm. So things were getting worse. Things were not getting better, despite being on you know the best available therapy at that time. Sure. So I, I made the switch. I pretty much went, you know <laughs> poor choice of words, but cold turkey, right. <laughs> and uh, switched to, to a plant-based diet. Um, and I've never looked back. And you know, I'm pleased to say that over the past eight years, I've not had a single clinical relapse. And um, nor have I been developing new brain lesions on my MRI.
0: Well, I'm looking at you, and, and you look phenomenal today. You look happy. You look healthy. If you didn't tell me that you had this struggle, like, I would have had no idea. So how quickly was it that you started to see some positive results after adopting this diet? Was it pretty immediate?
2: Yeah, well, I think right away my energy felt better. So that was the first thing that I noticed because I had struggled a lot with fatigue during the early days of my diagnosis, and I started to see that get better. Um, And then really since then, the the testament has been my my MRIs um, and seeing clinical stability on each one right and as you say I mean I haven't had any physical problems you know usually when people think about multiple sclerosis your mind right away jumps to the worst case scenario sure. you start to you know you picture the folks who are in wheelchairs or, or have different stages of disability um, so it's very empowering to think that I might be able to have an active role in determining my course with the disease and not just feeling too fatalistic about it
0: so when you were first diagnosed is that where your mind went as well?
2: Absolutely. You know, I, I'm i not someone who's prone to hysterics, but I sat down on the bathroom floor at the hospital and, and cried. Wow. I cried for, you know, probably a good half hour before I was able to peel myself up off the floor, and it was for exactly that reason. My mind immediately jumped to the wheelchair.
0: And you say that there hasn't been any progression in your MRIs, and we hear that the plant-based diet can help reverse heart disease, reverse diabetes. Is this a case where it just kind of stops MS from progressing, or is there any sort of reversal there as well?
2: There's some data. I know that there's some folks who work with many people in this particular area, and they are aware of people who have had actually reversal um, of the findings on their on their MRI. That has been somewhat of the the holy grail in in MS research is finding a way to not only stop new lesions from forming, but finding a way to heal the lesions that that already exist. For me, my MRIs have just been stable, okay. um, so there've been no new lesions that that have been developing. Um, but certainly, you know, there's been a lot of research to try to figure out ways to actually patch up those those holes that exist.
0: Do we know specifically? In that traditional American diet, the SAD diet, is it meat that's more detrimental to MS? Is it dairy that's more detrimental, or is it just kind of a combination of everything?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I mean, there are data to support both, both aspects, both the meat and the dairy. I think that the dairy wasn't really until more recently that that was appreciated in more depth. Um, that for both multiple sclerosis and type 1 diabetes, there's this concept of molecular mimicry. So, namely, that your body identifies the, the protein in dairy as foreign, but then it also gets confused. So once those antibodies are formed, it actually starts to think that the myelin, which is the, the sheath on your, your nerve cells, is that same foreign protein. So your body gets confused and basically starts attacking itself. And and some of that is thought to be driven by by dairy um, specifically.
0: Have you had the opportunity at all to speak with others who have been diagnosed with MS and talk about kind of the success that you're experiencing now?
2: Yeah, there is a growing community of people who, who have been vocal on, on this topic, and not just for MS, but for other autoimmune diseases um, as well. Um, so there's another speaker here today, Sarai uh, Stancic, who um, is another, if you want to call it success story, of somebody who had a, or still has multiple sclerosis, but after making dietary and lifestyle changes, um, has had a, a very benign course. Um, And there's a lot of work that's being done in different places by different um, uh, physicians, such as George Jelinek, who's a physician in Australia who himself was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis um, and has put together sort of an evidence-based approach to management. But he also speaks of of many success stories um, for people who have the disease um, and have had positive changes after adopting a a predominantly plant-based diet.
0: So let's switch gears a little bit and uh, talk about You're also a cardiologist. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there is just a ton of research and a ton of evidence behind just how powerful the plant-based diet can be for those who have cardiac issues, specifically heart disease. That's a cardiologist. Talk to me about your feelings about a plant-based diet and some of the results that you've seen with patients.
2: Yeah, I have to say that it's um, now that I understand so much more about the role that diet has on, on different disease processes, it just shocks me to no end that more cardiologists are not willing to really give any serious thought to the role that diet plays in, in heart disease. Um, you know, the feeling that traditionally many cardiologists have had is that, sure, you can be very rigorous about what you eat, but at the end of the day, it's only going to have a very minor impact on your lipid profile or other different markers of inflammation. It's not the case at all. I mean, there are actually several studies that have shown that a plant-based diet can have dramatic effects on your cholesterol, dramatically reduce your inflammation. And in many cases, actually reverse your course of heart disease. And that's fairly unheard of. I mean, when we think about the medications that we use to treat heart disease, usually we're just trying to stabilize things. The idea that there's something that can actually reverse the course that's already um, been underway for a while is really quite impressive.
0: And I know that there are a growing number of physicians who are now at least exploring the power of the plant-based diet, looking at the research behind it. But you're a professor up at Harvard, again, all-access credential. Um, Are you teaching students about this at all?
2: Yeah, I'm starting to do that because I think that it is important that within the actual medical school curriculum that there be some sort of teaching about about the value of diet. Now, is every single physician going to run out of medical school and and appreciate the, the value of it? Perhaps not. Um, But I have started to incorporate that into teaching at Harvard Medical School and um, with some other medical students around the city as well.
0: How do the students respond to that? Because I know that for so many years the diet wasn't really focused on right. much at all in that medical school curriculum.
2: You know, I think there really is a lot of growing interest. I mean, it's, it's amazing in terms of the number of people who are now willing to hear that message as compared to even a few years ago. Um, I think it's helpful that there have been many you know, high-profile celebrities and, and athletes who have all been adopting plant-based diets as well and have been quite vocal, um, as well as certain movies like Forks Over Knives that have you know, garnered a lot of attention. I think that all of these things together have really greatly increased the interest in this area. So it's really the perfect time to be delivering this message. And...
0: I guess my last question is, how much time when you were in med school did you spend studying the link between (laughs) diet and disease?
2: I mean, a few hours at best. Okay. You know, and it it wasn't so much about diet and disease. Um, It was more just a discussion about, you know, how many uh, calories would you get out of a a gram of fat? Um, So it it wasn't the same kind of discussion that was meaningful. Um, And it wasn't certainly one that we wouldn't walk out of the classroom and think to ourselves, wow, diet can really have a strong impact. It's amazing, though, because cardiologists are constantly looking at graphs that show the rising incidence of, you know, diabetes diagnoses, Mm -hmm. obesity, and we're all willing to believe that link. Yet on the flip side, there's been this hesitation to believe that by improving your diet, you could actually reverse many of these different uh, disease states. So, you know, hopefully we're making progress, but there's still a lot of room to go. And I
0: would guess that you... You have to feel good, at the very least, about being able to move that process forward and enlighten students and give that message in their curriculum that you didn't necessarily get. That's got to be a great thing.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I find it very gratifying to be here today and be able to speak about my own journey to a plant-based diet. Because, I mean, I'm used to talking about cardiovascular therapeutics and, you know, all the fancy medicines we have. But but this is really deeply gratifying on a different level. All right.
0: Dr. Michelle O'Donohue on Twitter at Dr. M I greatly appreciate your time. You're getting a follow-out of me, and I'm sure more than a few listeners that are hearing this right now.
2: Well, thank you again.
0: What a story. Thank you to Dr. Michelle O'Donohue for joining us. She is truly resilience personified. Also, big thank you to Registered Dietitian Lee Crosby from the Barnard Medical Center. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area and would like to make an appointment with her, check her out, barnardmedical.org. And if you're curious about what it is that we talked about today, some of the studies that we've referenced, we've put links up to a lot of them. Just head over to pcrm.org podcast. I will say also while you're on the site, poke around because there are a lot of other cool studies up there as well. Uh, Matter of fact, we just published a feature on the link between a low-carb animal-based diet and a shortened lifespan. Now, according to this research, this new research, the chances of dying young jump by nearly 20%. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Hey, be sure to subscribe to the show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your favorite podcast from, that's where we are. And if you're feeling particularly generous, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a nice comment, too. Until next time, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening to The Exam Room, brought to you by the Physicians Committee.